A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ophil. Marca Mesut Ophil. This is Arscast Extra. Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra, normally with James from Gunner Blog, but not today. James is away, so I'm delighted to welcome back as my co-host to talk about the 1-0 win over Leeds, Tayo Papula. Hi, Tayo. Hello, mate. Off the bench, always ready. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. I'm good, thank you. Uh, James is away. Arsenal have won a couple of games and kept clean sheets in both. Does this suggest <laughs> that a magpie flew into his rectum? I can't say. <laughs> with any certainty, but I'm pretty sure that that's what the results are telling us. Listen, the rune, yeah, the runes always, uh, the runes are never wrong. And when James goes away, when James hurts himself, he hasn't hurt himself badly for a while, has he? No, I mean, nobody wants that, but everybody <laughs> wants that. So, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, two clean sheets. Who could have? Who, who could have thunk it? Yeah, it's uh, it's quite the step forward. How is the new year treating you so far? Yeah, it's good. Just like, um, yeah, just a. Uh, Slightly back to school with 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 work and stuff. Mm. Two Arsenal matches inside, two home matches inside the first week is uh, is is unusual, and as is not drinking a skinful afterwards. Um, <laughs> yeah, with all that New Year January stuff, so it's not quite a sort of a dry January. But then there's less need to um, to souse myself because the results have picked up. Yeah, you're not having to seek solace in the bottle because of Arsenal <laughs> exactly. doing things on the pitch which drive you literally to drink. It does happen though, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, um, I mean, we, you know, we, we've, um, we've had some of our kind of funniest moments out of, um, out of some of the despair this season. You know, the bit in the pub is always the good bit, but um, now it's a, uh, uh, it's still fun. Um, it's still fun, Andrew. But um, just um, I can remember it the next day. That that could be considered a good thing. You know, in in many ways, in many especially aspects. Especially if you're doing, especially if you're doing the Arsecast the next day. So it's quite it's quite good to remember the game before. Yes, to talk about it. Yeah, that's true. I, I tend to watch key moments again and pretend like I remember exactly what's happened. Uh, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's the way. Do you know what? You're know. not you're not the only person in this game who does that. Basically, I always love it when someone like sort of sounds like they've just pulled a stat out of the air. I think that's I think Arteta's first game <laughs> as manage as captain was actually against Lee. Um, it's like, dude, we've all seen Orbino the day before. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. I've been guilty of that once or twice, but you know. Me too. Um, me too. Know, we, we've all been that soldier. So FA Cup third round against Leeds United brought back some memories. Of course, we posted your Thierry Henry uh, return of the king thing yesterday, um, which provides memories of that goal that he scored in another 1-0 win back in 2012 um the amount of tweets i got from people who got very emotional listening to that it's like not simply a great memory but they're actually in tears listening to 
to people talk about a goal that I guess they can visualize so well because it really is perhaps the most iconic goal to be scored at the Emirates. I mean, there have been some brilliant goals. You think about the the scorpion kick. You think about Jack Wilshire against uh, whoever Norwich. that was. Norwich, thank you. Lives long and fresh in my memory, obviously. Um, <laughs> uh, but but that one, I think, really does speak to people because of because of all that came with it. Absolutely. Um, I, I mean, I rem- you know, you know, I, re- I remember it like it was yesterday, um, which is fortunate. Um, I actually watched it loads, obviously, over the last few days while I was putting together that kind of director's cut, and and actually ended up focusing more than anything on the touch that gets out of his feet. It's incredible. Mm. It's incredible. It's incredible. But it was a real moment of, um, for a start, I'm glad I was there. I managed to miss the, I wasn't in the stadium for the Scorpion kick. I wasn't in the stadium for Jack Wilshere's goal. And I wasn't in the stadium for the first perhaps iconic moment in the stadium, which was Thierry's header against United, mm. you know, um, from Bowie's Cross. So I missed all of those. Where were so it's you? nice to be, what um s- snowboarding for, for two of them <laughs> and no ex- <laughs> I know <laughs> spot the arsenal fan yeah no i um yeah snowboarding for two of them i can't remember where i was for the third one reading the um, guardian uh, probably yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> um but um it was it was an incredible it was an incredible moment and i, I absolutely understand those emotions and, you know obviously i got the same, the same kind of messages which was fantastic um i remember very vividly keith dover who i sit with at the arsenal um like absolutely up in in in, in tears at that it was but it was the it was the perfect storm of emotions, hero moment, like you said on 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 that podcast that I've just done. You said it was you know it was necessary, right? It was nil mm. nil at the time. It mattered, and for him to come back like that, as Ian Wright said, like the all hero, to do that at that time is sensational. Um, and. It's something that's really, you know, in a time where we've all been quite fractured, it is something that was such a collective moment that was ours, that is an Arsenal moment. Um, and it's good that it still resonates. Mm. Yeah. And, and and the reaction to the reaction to the pitch, the reaction to your post yesterday was fantastic. And yeah. I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. So look, if you haven't heard it, haven't listened to it, it's on the Ars blog uh, podcast feed. It's called Return of the King. There's an extended version. Uh, so do check that out if you want to, you know, enjoy something and also cry at the same time, which is sort of like when you look at the end of the Christmas biscuits and you go, I can't waste them, but I'm so fat right now. I'll just and can I just, can I actually, Andrew um it's with real regret I remember when I was when I um when a lot of fans kindly gave their time um yourself Hayley Wright um and uh Amy Lawrence and so many more people on there I won't go through them all I remember not I remember saying I remember saying to myself I'm going to do another one of these soon with Andrew and then I'll get to speak to Dave Dave Faber Dave Gunaholic mm. um and I, you know, I made another show recently um, where we were talking about Arsenal and Man United, and um, our, our, we couldn't get our times right. And um, if anything, um, just that I'm, this extended version kind of thing was like it made me think of him and um, and just how fleeting things are, really, because it was something that we were always going to do next, and I didn't get the chance to do that. And mm. I was definitely, uh, yeah, I was definitely kind of thinking of him. So uh, 
uh, yeah, just a moment for Dave there, basically. And 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 this this version is not much, but you know, it's 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 Arsenal related, and it's all I've got. All right. Well, I think that's lovely enough uh, for him, and obviously he's uh, a very well and fondly remembered Arsenal fan. As some artwork on the way to the stadium last night showed from North Banksy, which is uh, pretty awesome. So uh, we we all remember Dave uh, very well, and he will have remembered that goal very well, and he would have enjoyed last night. I think also uh, a one nil win to the Arsenal, a classic scoreline. Um, let, let's talk a little bit about the game because that's why we're here and the team selection. And I thought perhaps Arteta might go a little bit more rotatey when it came to picking his team uh, because the players have put in a big effort against Bournemouth, against Chelsea, against United. You know, the squad is a bit thin. So I thought he might try and just rest a few legs here and there. But um, there were a couple of little changes, but not anything uh, major. Aubameyang was left out, Torreira was left out to give them a bit of a breather because they've done Trojan work. But you still had the likes of Louise, Ozil, Lacazette, Pepe was in there, uh, Kolasinac in there, having played through the pain against Manchester United. Um, Xhaka was in there Socrates playing at right back I mean what a what a what a shift he put in there you know it, it became clear to me after about um, you hear the dog noises there oh yeah yeah that's Lana getting very very excited about going out um, she gets quite wound up but anyway not to take away from my point um Leeds are obviously a very, very good side. Um, very well managed, well organized, well drilled. Bielsa is somebody Arteta knows extremely well. Um, it was obvious after a while that they're top of the championship. We're struggling a bit in mid table, and he wanted as much experience in there as he could get. Yeah, I mean, um, of all the. It was a strong team. The the one the most surprising, especially because of what you just said about the shift put in, and we saw the stats. Um, um, about how far Ozil ran against United in particular. He was the most surprising one. I mean, you could argue that Lacazette kind of needs minutes at the moment um, uh, for confidence, if anything, and more of that later. Um, and you could say the same for Pepe having a good run at home in a, a, against a side um, nominally, although as, as was proved, nominally um, um, inferior to us although that clearly wasn't the case and and I think as per your tweet when we when we saw the team news at all uh, at first you you assumed it was a back three with maybe Reese Nelson doing what Saka's done over the other side perhaps um but yeah we were very you know obviously we were we were, we were very wrong about that um it was four at the back and um Arteta clearly didn't underestimate um leads with with with, with damn good reason because they were because mm. they were out because because they were they were they were fantastic and um as certainly in that first half if they'd had a if they'd had any kind of cutting edge i thought patrick bamford was better than that but anyway that's my um <laughs> if they'd had more of a cutting edge then um then we would have been in 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 a lot of trouble so i was i was i was glad it was a strong team i was glad to see um that we were taking a home tie um in the fa cup seriously i think it makes absolute sense so so early into arteta's reign that he is taking these games seriously i mean you know Imagine if we'd gone out 
um, limply when we're trying to build momentum at the moment. He's yeah. talked so much about trying to build this thing with the fans. Um, you don't do that if you put out a poor side, a piss poor side in the third round uh, on TV. So it felt right for the occasion, um, but that first forty-five minutes um, obviously was uh, was 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 it was, was a huge surprise. Yeah, look. We have to thank Emmy Martinez, I think, because he made some some very good saves and not the first time this season that an Arsenal goalkeeper has been an important part of, um, I was going to say keeping a clean sheet, but we haven't done too many of those, but he was certainly yeah. that yesterday. He was by far the busier goalkeeper, Leeds hit the bar, uh, and they played some some really nice football as well. Uh, but it was yeah. clear that, that if Arteta didn't underestimate Leeds, perhaps... The players did a little bit in the sense that um, we'll talk about what happened at halftime now in a second. But but he said very specifically afterwards, he said, I wasn't happy at all uh, with how we started the game, how we approached the game. I tried to convince them before the game of what to expect of that team. They battered every team in the championship every three days. And what was interesting was I watched uh, Reese Nelson on the... Uh, BBC afterwards, and he said, yeah, they were very good in the first half. We didn't expect that. And I was thinking, well, hang on. I said, there's some mixed messaging going on here. Um, but but yeah, it yeah. felt maybe a little bit like the players, the players themselves. Um, I, there was another interesting bit, actually, on BBC where Arteta said about, uh, the interviewer said to him, what have you learned about your players um, since you took over? And he said, well, I've learned how they can react to a defeat. And I've learned... This is what he said. I've learned how they react when they win just one game. I thought that was quite an interesting little comment, as if sort of the United game was oh, done. We've done a good thing. Now we can rest a little bit. But yeah. that's not that's not what's uh, required, or not uh, certainly not what Arteta is going to let happen. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I thought of it more. Um, I mean, rather, rather like the. Rather like the fans who um, on dry January, you know, had their first pint before the game yesterday, right? Old habits kind of die hard. And I think yeah. we went into, it felt more like we'd reverted to type. And this is what Arteta has talked about um, being a huge, you know, a huge issue. And obviously we saw at half time when he got his hands on them or got his voice on them, then we could kind of go back to the way that he wanted them to. You know, we've been we've been conditioned to play like this. We've been conditioned for our heads to go down ever since. Um, and I know, you know, I know you feel quite strongly about what Shaka said after the Watford game, for example, but that I think this season has been the default mentality, right? Mm. So when, so when a team comes at us um, as skillfully and um, I mean, you know, the, the, the pressing and the man marking of um, Leeds in the first half was, um, was exemplary really. Um, I think they got, um, they kind of went in on themselves. There were free kicks that were going backwards. Like we've seen, there was, um, I mean, Martinez made some great saves, but his distribution was really poor last night. And I think each incident, um, each incident at the back, I mean, holding was very jittery at the back, understandably so, of course, but, um, I think with the, I think there were jitters and, um, and they kind of went into a shell. They pulled the, you know, they pulled themselves close and kind of played very, very inhibited mm. in an inhibited fashion. So I think it was more fear than complacency. It was more a case of, I think it was more a case of what the what the club has become used to this season with the kind of very, very super cautious approach that we were that we were sadly getting used to under Emery. 
So I think it was more. I think it was more that. I don't think. Obviously, we all saw how Guendouzi and Shaco kind of went 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 functioning together. Everything took a little bit. Everything took a little bit longer. Throw-ins took a little bit longer. Yeah. The, um, from the goalkeeper took a little bit longer. It's really really noticeable. Um, um, certainly in the stadium. I'm sure it was on TV. But it just you could. There was, there's a pace that we've got used. To, to doing things at when things are going well, when we've seen other teams playing well and we weren't doing it. There was that hesitancy more than anything. So I think it was that um, not to take away from, because I was so impressed with how Leeds were playing, marshalled on, you know, by um, uh, Bielsa and um, and their millions of, like, I mean, they had about five people in the, five people in the technical area, it seemed like rotating. Um, so yeah, super, super impressed with, uh, um, with, 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 with Leeds for that. So yeah, as I say, anyway, I've rumbled on, but I think it was more a case of um, fear and then, oh, hold on. They can play. Mm. Um, um, and then trying to, and then safety first more than anything, um, which we're not very good at as we showed that yesterday as well. And as I say, if, if they've been able to punish us um, with a, um, with some, with the final ball, with this, with the, with the final strike, um, a bit more than 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 it might have been beyond us. Might have been, uh, but obviously halftime came and there was a, a very obvious turnaround uh, after the break. Alexandra Lacazette was asked, "What did Arteta say at halftime?" He said he shouted a lot. I don't know that Arteta was that impressed when it was put to him that that that's what was said. But actually, we have some very exclusive audio footage here of what exactly went on in the Arsenal dressing room at half, which sparked that turnaround. I'm going to play it for you right here. Because you've had two good performances and you think, I'm fucking Bertie Big Bollocks tonight. I'll fucking play her I like. But you won't play your like, because if you play your like, I'll fucking stick the youth to you. So you, you little cunt, when I tell you to do something, and you, you fucking big cunt, when I tell you to do something, do it. And if you come back at me, we'll have a fucking right sort out of you. And you can pair up if you like. And you can fucking pick someone else to help you and you can bring your fucking dinner. Because by the time I'm finished with you, you'll fucking need it. Do you fucking hear what I'm saying or not? I mean, it's hard not to be inspired. <laughs> uh, do you reckon uh, Arteta's got his own version of the hairdryer, given the fact that his hair doesn't move? So it's probably like a really, really bristling, bristling hairdryer. Just yeah. to, he's, doing standards, he's, he's doing it on the standards of his own kind of Lego hair. Um, Maybe if I can so. Move, if, I, if I can move mine. No, look, I mean, but that's... That's what you want, isn't it? Um, not not the kind of up and at him approach. Um, you know, not 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 the shouting for no reason, but um, very tactically so. Basically, I yeah. mean, we sit we sit at, we sit on the halfway line, um, quite low down. Um, we've more got um, the opposition bench in front of us on our side, um, so it's quite hard to see past um, you know Bielsa's head, which deserves its own postcode it's like it's enormous for that enormous brain of his the david dunn Um, of managers oh my god it's incredible it's like um i love him i love him um but uh anyway the point of that was to say that we were quite close to arteta so we can see him and obviously in these early stages apart from me trying to work out what trainers he's wearing i was also (laughs) concentrating on um on on him and his exhortations and he never, never stops rather like his mentor. So if he was taking that anger, but also that direction um, back onto the, back into the second half, 
Um, they certainly responded to that. So that's what you want to see. You're not shouting for shouting's sake. Yeah. Um, anger is re- anger that his kind of instructions weren't being followed. But then he carried that on when he, you know, in the second half and was like pulling them over to the corner when we're, you know, when when we're trying to pen leads in and um, was furious at times when Martinez didn't go long when he said he should. Um, it was great to see management, right? <laughs> you know, in, in-game shot. management, yeah. I mean, I think what's really interesting about this is that I had sort of half expected, maybe it's something I'm conditioned to after Emery, is I, I'd half expected a, a halftime change because things were so poor. I was going, well, how is he going to... How is he going to address the problem that we have with Leeds? And there wasn't any real tactical uh, shift in the second half, but what there was was um, very much a a physical uh, change in the way that we approach the game. He talked about winning duels, about winning your 50-50s, about getting to the second ball, about winning tackles. And from the very start of the second half, that's what we did. We were we were more front-footed. We played higher up the pitch. You know, we won the ball back. We drove at them. You know, people, uh, I know, sometimes take issue with the intangibles in a game of football because you can't. You can't always truly measure work rate and endeavor and those kind of things. I mean, you can see it in certain stats, but but you can also see when a team changes its mentality and changes the way that it tries to play the game. So tactically, not a great deal change, but physically, in terms of the effort and in terms of what we did and where we tried to play the game, that's what brought about the turnaround. Absolutely. And, and then it comes back to... Um, <clears throat> Yeah, the application from, you know, you've had you've had a bollocking from the manager. Exactly the same players are on the pitch, but the same players are doing that bit more because they've had, you know, they've had the rocket up them. I mean, there was one moment, I think, where um, David Luiz, um, again, kind of drew, drew the ire of um, Artero on the side, either with a misplaced pass. I can't remember what it was, but... <clears throat> excuse me, and we and okay, and it's a new manager, and we're always looking at these things. But he turned to he apologized to T, he turned to Arteta and held his hands up in the universal footballer sorry gesture. But he turned to the manager to do it during the game, and you know we've seen many times, and you always see when a manager's on the way out, kind of thing, or at least managers ign- players ignoring the managers. Mm. Um, and he sort of turned and apologised to Arteta as if, like, what happened to to turn and kind of sort of uh, show some contrition to the manager during the game. Um, and I just, I just, just, it just made me think that um, they're trying to impress him. They're trying to adopt his ideas, and they were still carrying the bollocking they got at half time. Shaka was a different player after the after the break. Um still think him and Gwenduzi struggled a bit, but um certainly less so in the second half. Gwenduzi's obviously got forward and, and got the got a chance off. We were popping the ball a bit quicker. Um yeah, the 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 change. I mean I don't think Leeds had a I don't I don't know if it's uh, rose tinted spectacles, but I don't think Leeds really had a serious look in until the you know the the the, the match saving 
at least in his head, mm. match saving tackle from Socrates <laughs> later. He fucking loved that, didn't he? I mean, he absolutely <laughs> loved it. He sort of, this was not long after the ructions that took place down on the, the right hand side. And, and, you know, is there a finer side in football than a six foot two, 14 stone central defender with his head down like a charging bull heading towards a, a, an annoying matador? And he's got the ball at his feet and he's showing actually a little bit of skill on the ball, you know, dragging it with him. But basically, he's going to use his shoulders and his neck to make progress up the field, like some kind of rampaging Jonah Lomu type figure. And then at the end of it, to sort of sit on the ground, hanging onto the leg of somebody else. And, and I, I, actually, I actually love that. Um, you know, I know he's been a bit indifferent this season, but, you know, I, there was just so much to like about that. And then moments later to be in the right position at right back to keep pace with the guy and make the tackle in the box, which then cannoned off the bloke out for a goal kick. I mean, that was like sticking one in the top corner for him. Oh, yeah. Did, so do they show that on the TV or do they show it uh, like at the time? Like him yeah. just absolutely... Yeah, I mean, he's in front of the Leeds fans, right? Yeah, Rob Holding was right there. So he just kind of did this, yes, <laughs> with Holding, who was like, what the fuck is going on here? And I mean, so- it- Socrates is the kind of player that you've got time for in a winning team. I mean, it was fun last night because we won, right? Mm. You know, the, do, you, do you know what I mean? He's like, he's... Um, he's funny. He's a bit of a mess. He, he'll, he'll throw himself at everything. Um... In a winning situation, it becomes it it becomes fun. It's a bit weird about how some you just talked about you know this strong bullish ox of a character, bullish ox. You know what I mean. Mm. Um, um, but Christy likes to go down, doesn't he? And he hold does. various various parts of himself. <laughs> yeah, there was the first part in the second half. There's the first in the first half where um, <laughs> he hilariously it made me think of EPMD. You got to chill when he just turns to the crowd and he just does a calm down. Did yeah. they show that? Yeah, they were talking about that on they the TV. Like, um, it was over a throw in, and people are like, get on with it. And he's like, yeah, just, he's like, calm on, down. I'm and then meanwhile, knackered. in the second half, on the other side, the, the very picture of not calming down. <laughs> this guy over the other side like that so um i mean he kind of yeah he improved as the game went on obviously he's got a recovery pace which is clearly why he was given that position in the first place yeah um and when you know when the player was you know obviously when the player's over the other side then he can tuck in and it becomes almost like three you know it's, it's, it's three at the back um He's not the answer, but for for a day like yesterday and for a tackle like that yesterday, then yeah. um, then, then great stuff, basically. Yeah. So, look, our goal came after, I'd say, a period of concerted pressure in which we had some chances. Pepe had a shot which went over. There was a Lacazette free kick. There was a Lacazette um, shot which he put pretty much straight at the keeper, and I think he probably should have scored that. You know, a Lacazette in form in front of goal, um, w- would score that, I think, from that position. He's really, really struggling when it comes to putting the ball in the back of the net. Um, you know, in fairness to him, he worked his hole off yesterday. I think you probably need a bit more than hard work from a centre forward, but in the absence of goals and in the context of yesterday's game, we've we've got to give him that. He really did put a shift in. Uh, I think there was a Ginduzi effort, which went not far wide. And um, the goal itself, not the prettiest goal that we'll ever score. Uh, not up there with uh, Jack Wilshire against Norwich or the Scorpion kick or, or anything like that. But to me, there's a kind of... There's a kind of simple beauty to that goal because 
it came against a team like Leeds, and you know, regular listeners will know that I'm not a big, big fan of Leeds, having had issues with them uh, in my my school uh, school days. Um, you know, they played very well in the first half. They probably should have scored at least one goal. They didn't. We scored a miskick goal, which uh, came because one of their defenders made an intervention in the box. Reese Nelson miskicked it. We went on to win the game with that goal and fucking march on home together, you fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's something of, you know, I what love... Do you, what do you really mean, Andrew? Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Look, we all want us to play really well and be a great, cohesive, attacking football team that scores beautiful goals. But sometimes you've got to win a game with a scrappy, scabby, fucking shithousey goal. And that's what we did yesterday. Um, and I thoroughly enjoyed that. But look, there was something nice about it as well because because um, Reese Nelson was there. And, yes, um, and Pepe and made a great me, run, didn't he? You know, drove the ball on very well. I'm not comparing it at all, and I'm re- and I'll say that again. I'm really not comparing him at all. But um, that kind of ball, you know. Sterling scores a lot of goals by being there like that. We saw it ourselves. We had our own guy like that, Robert Perez. Just make that run. Yeah. Make that run. Um, comes across the keeper. Um, if he doesn't palm it out um, and you get a tap in, you're in the right place. So, um, okay, you're sure the execution wasn't wasn't perfect at all. But Reese Nelson had made that run. Um, and, and a moment for Pepe as well, who had um, uh, a really strong game. Yes, he's got that really, I mean, I love it. I said it before. I love a street footballer. Um, I lose my mind over look away passes and I love a little languid he's got this way of he rolls the ball under his foot sometimes holds on to it a little bit too long but like he he is very he glides up the pitch he doesn't look like he's ever ever I can't ever imagine him hitting top top speed do you know what I mean mm-hmm. well, clearly he is um, so he's got that kind of languid way about him but um, it was his ball in wasn't it yeah, no, I mean, he he took the ball, turned in midfield, drove down, gave it yeah. outside to Lacazette, who played it back inside towards Pepe, but the defender stuck a foot out and it came to Nelson at, at the back post. Um, yeah, but, you know, um, they were in the right place, basically, which was, yeah, which was, um, which, I mean, it's to take it for granted, but with, there's so many of those times, it hasn't been happening this season. We haven't been breaking like that. We haven't had the the the, the energy or the optimism um, to to get in those positions. And and it was great for him. Was it his first goal yesterday? We were trying to no, remember. His second goal, I think his second, because he scored in the, I think he scored against Nottingham Forest. Right. In okay. the EFL um, Cup. I could look I mean, this up and then just chance, say, actually, it, I think, uh, I definitely haven't seen Orbino's tweet on this, but no, I think he did <laughs> score in the Carling Cup or the Carabao Cup earlier. In gotcha. The I mean, he, he had a great chance. Was it before that? Or was it after that where he before. ran? It was before. And, and it, I mean, we saw a little bit of Lacazette we, um, yesterday as well, where there's a confidence thing. You know, when people chop it back like that, then you know that there's a, there's a slight confidence issue, isn't it? Because when you're really in your cups, then you're, you you you're banging that beforehand, mm. right? Um, and um, I mean, we saw Shaka drive forward a few times, and you were you could see that he was just waiting for the <laughs> he was waiting for the foul. He's like, I'm bad, I'm a comfortable. There's, uh, there's a brilliant one actually. Uh, when Lacazette takes the free kick that clips off the bar, uh, Xhaka brings the ball forward and he's just sort of waiting, waiting, yeah. waiting for the contact. Goes down, very obviously, to win the free kick. And there's a reverse TV angle um, of Xhaka's face when he gets up and he's just sort of laughing at the Leeds players <laughs> going like, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? 
Yeah. So I mean, I mean, I mean the the the, the rehabilitation of uh, Granite Shaka, at least the temporary rehabilitation. Um, not some. Um, um, most of all for him, basically, mm. there's, there's there's a connection with. Again, there's connect. There's a connection with the manager, um, and he's coaxing what we need out of him. Whatever happens in the season happens, but I'm all for him actually staying around in January. To be honest, just because um, I don't think we're in a position with one in, one out at the moment. I don't think there's much behind a very meager midfield mm. um, um, in the in the reserves anyway. So um, if you can coax decent performances out of uh, decent players. Um, then, 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 then let's keep him. Yeah, uh, let's just talk uh, quickly about Reese Nelson because, yeah, um, young players have come through at Arsenal, and young players have come through the academy, and and he was uh, one who was you know extremely highly rated. Went to Hoffenheim, scored a load of goals early on. It didn't quite work out for him in the second half of that season in Germany, but but his his reputation among the academy players was, was probably the highest. It was probably, he was the one that people would have expected to make the breakthrough. And I think he started a couple of the early games this season. He started um, in, in the first two games, I think. Um, but he sort of fell away and Joe Willock made an impact and Martinelli came in and was, was sensational. And Bukayo Saka has come in. And, and I'm not saying Nelson was forgotten, but he seemed to become a bit peripheral under Emery. But since Arteta has arrived... Um, he started four of the five games, and I include the Everton game in that. I know Freddie was in charge, but that was when Arteta uh, had joined the club and been announced as the new manager. He came on as a sub against Manchester United, you know, with half an hour to play. We're 2-0 up. He's clearly somebody who Arteta sees as the, the kind of player who he can work with, who will carry out the instructions that he wants a player in that position uh, to to do. You know, he's sort of like a um, fresh clay, if you like, that he can mold him because he's not anything specific yet. He can mold him into precisely what he wants him to be. Yeah, of the... um of the crop, as it were, of the crop of youngsters who've been around the team this season, he's the one that I'm the most excited about. I mean, he's got um, – we all have pace. Um, I mean, oh, change your boots, by the way, so you can stand up for for, yeah. for, for 90 minutes. But but that aside, he's – yeah, he's exciting. And um, and there is something – I mentioned Sterling earlier on, and maybe it's just the style and the, you know, and the, the silhouette. But if that's your – that's a decent, you know, that's a decent player to aim for in terms of how he plays, where he plays, the pace he's got, the skills he's got. That's something to um, kind of aspire to, really. And it's also easier, I think, to, and I think that's why Saka kind of did quite well for a little bit as well. And perhaps why Smith Rowe and Willock have struggled a little bit. It's easier to make that impression. And we all used to laugh back in the day when Arsene would start everybody on the left wing or on the wing, right? But that's where you put a exciting that's where you put an exciting youngster where they've got mm. room to to grow and make mistakes at the same time without hopefully not costing the team the game. And so I think in terms of um, position as well, I think that's why we, we'll have a good chance of seeing... It's easier to keep him involved in in the squad. Do you see what I mean? Um, yeah. Um, for that reason, he's... He's. I think he. I think he'll probably do the best out of um, out of the crop that that, uh, that season. I mean, Smith Rowe looks like he could do with um, um, a decent loan spell. Willock um, has um, 
I wouldn't say he's. Um, I think he's too close to the first team at the moment, um, and has been through no fault of his own. Um, and there's certainly something something there. Um, and when Freddie was playing them all, like especially Everton, obviously when um, when Urza was injured, stroking the doghouse anyway. <laughs> There was, you know, there was a couple. There's two games in a row where Freddie had played at Smith Row in that place, um, and we'd had two very distinctive breakaways where, for you know, um, and again, it's not a criticism where Smith Row played the wrong passes or Willock had played the wrong pass. Yeah, um, and I just remember very clearly a break. You needed someone that you need. You need Urza. You need some. You need someone who knows what they're doing in that position to play the final ball on the counter-attack, right? Yeah. And much as though we can talk about passion and youngsters and giving them their chance and stuff, there's also that last percent of quality, which you're only going to get through, you know... Um, playing uh, regularly, yeah. Playing regularly in your star players. And so they're not they're not there yet. Reese Nelson won't have that problem because he's out on the, out on the wing. Um, mm. So, yeah, he's the most exciting for me. Well, look, it, it's it's hard not to look at the squad and feel confident that Arteta can get more out of most of these players because that's exactly what he's done in a very short period of time. Uh, you know, I know it's still very, very early in the in the Arteta era, but the positive impact that he's had, you know, on the players, on the fans, on the club as a whole, really is. Remarkable, And maybe it speaks to kind of how far we fell and how poor and how bad things were that, you know, it's it feels like he's turned things in the right direction. Not so he's turned things around completely, obviously. But, you know, we feel like and certainly I feel like we are going in the right direction. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Because... mm. And it is just... You say that maybe it's a sign of how far we fell. But, like, I mean, the... (laughs) The shoulders down again. It was it was awful, right? And it feels it feels like a new manager has come in and it's beginning to because we didn't get that with Freddie. I feel like we wasted a month of the season through again through no fault of Freddie's. He wasn't given you know wasn't given any coaching staff, and it all came on very quickly. The board, as you've discussed, could have done it in international break. We've done all of that, but it just does feel like what you want is people responding to a new manager and much as though I, we all loathe them. Right. Um, but watching when we got beat the other week by Chelsea, and if you speak to any of your Chelsea friends, um, if you've got any, um, uh, this season, they're like, don't care. We got Frank, right. You see that connection. You see that connection with Klopp and Liverpool. You see that connection, obviously with a club, um, with a club legend, with Frank Lampard, um, and Chelsea. Arteta feels like one of ours, to a degree. And um, I was behind enemy lines yesterday. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, Andrew, yeah. Um, right. As you know, um, as you know, well, as some may know, I make some podcasts. I make podcasts for The Athletic. And I was making one for, I was a stand-in producer yesterday for the Tottenham podcast because the regular producer was away. So they asked me to do it. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I'm just thinking, you know that famous story of um, Paul Kay. Uh, who is 
uh, Dennis Pennis, and who is yeah. an actor many people will know as a big Arsenal fan as well, that, you know, as a graphic designer in his previous life, apparently photoshopped like a tiny little Arsenal shirt into some Tottenham, <laughs> some Tottenham documentation. Oh, yes. It could have been something. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something along those lines where if you looked really closely on the front cover of the Tottenham program was like a little Arsenal shirt <laughs> or something like that. So I just have visions of you like somehow in the background subliminally adding audio like on Spurs are shit, Spurs are oh, on Chance Gold, yeah. on Chance Gold, <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> well, it was a good time to do the podcast <laughs> because it was a good time to do it because they're, um, because because they're happily being shit again. They're fretting about um, the fact that Mourinho is being, being Mourinho again, Harry's hamstrings. Um, and um, it was mentioned off, off, off um, before the record that they're not excited anymore. Or, or they wish that they could have a club legend to come back. And they were trying to work out who, who it would be. But they, I mean, I said, unless you're going to get unless you're going to get Teddy Sheringham back off a beach in Marbella, then there's no one really you can think of who's going to come back. And Vinny Samways. <laughs> Vinny Samways. But the point was is that they've got this feeling at the moment. They're looking at what, um, obviously the results aren't there, but they're looking at the people I was with yesterday anyway, we're looking at Arsenal um, and saying, we wish we had something like that. Mm. So, um, and we're getting the benefits. We're getting the benefits of that um, as well. Just one more thing, Angie, you just yeah. reminded me talking about Paul Kay. Um, um, my one bit for the cause, I saw Christian Eriksen about, just before well, before Christmas, maybe about November, I saw Christian Eriksen on Marlebone High Street. Um, he was with um, his girlfriend and um, and the child pushing a pram. I think it was. Um, anyway, I saw him. The child was pushing a pram. That's a strong kid. <laughs> um, maybe it was Ericsson dressed as a child. I'm not sure. But anyway, um, so I saw him. So I went up to him, shook his hand, and said, "Thanks for everything you've done. All us Spurs fans won't begrudge you leaving." So thank, so thank you for everything you've done for us. He looks a little bit perplexed. So I, maybe, I, maybe I overdid the enthusiasm. Um, but um, if he does leave in this window, then um, it's not quite James and the Magpies. But like, I just like to think that I've played a part, a small part in hopefully his uh, 20 million transfer to Inter Milan this month. All right. This space. Well, we will, we will, of course, give you all due credit when that happens and when Tottenham appoint the managerial dream team of Maurizio Tarico and Mido. <laughs> that will be the day. We'll have what fun times. Dream. What a dream that would be, for us anyway. Uh, anything else you want to talk about uh, regarding last night before we go into part two and take some questions? No, no, I'm good. I'm ready for I'm 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 ready for the uh, hashtag ask cast extra. All right, let's do that. We'll be right back with your questions and more in part two right after this. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. This is part two of the show where we answer questions that you've sent to us on Twitter at DJ Tayo and at Arsblog on the Arsblog Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the Arsblog, and also on the Arsblog Discord server, which you get access to if you are an Arsblog member on Patreon. I'm going to start with a question from Facebook, um, which ties into a question that I have from uh, Twitter as well. And of course, I've lost the question that I have on Facebook. Oh, it comes from Valerie Galvin who says, how long do you think it will take Danny Murphy to get over the trauma of Arsenal winning last night? Judging by his hilarious co-commentary on the BBC, quite some time. Hashtag prayers for Danny. And also there was a question on Twitter from Duncan, who's at Hosho4, who says, what did you make of Shaka's shithousery performance? Aside from pissing Murphy off, an obvious positive, I thought the first half showcased the frustrating side of his shithousery. Pointless fouls in dangerous areas, and the second half was shithousery as an art form. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I obviously missed Danny Murphy's commentary because I was yeah. at the game yesterday. I saw him. I saw him on the side of the pitch with um, with Alex Scott. That was that was that was it. In terms of Shaka and his shithousery, um, I can't really celebrate it like that. In a, he doesn't feel like the dastardly villain in the way that um, Socrates <laughs> does, um, and maybe because Socrates actually looks like he looks like the kind of jet, generic kind of. AI character in like GTA or something, doesn't he? You know, the guy who sort of, um, <laughs> he does, doesn't he? He's yeah, like, little bit, the, yeah. if you were going to draw, draw man, uh, um, draw a baddie, GTA, draw yeah, a baddie. Exactly. With stubble. So, um, so for that, I mean, Shaka just needs to, I, I don't really see, I didn't really notice it from a shithousery point of view. I think he's still trying, still trying to kind of get his get his game together. He's not very good at being a shithouse because he's just there's no he's quite he's quite violent and um, um <laughs> there's no subtlety to it. No, there's exactly there's no there's no yeah shithousery is an art form which you know the fact you know every time David Luiz um, when there's someone coming you know, the way David Luiz pushes someone in the back. <laughs> every time the ball's coming to him. Mm. That's the kind of shithousery that I'm all for. Um, the kind of more blatant um, grabs that Shaka does, which really frustrate you. I mean, they gave away a terrible free kick on the edge of the box um, 
uh, yesterday, didn't he, as well? Did um, he? Okay. I, mean, I know and, he gave away, oh, yeah, that was the slidey one, yeah. Yeah. He, he did a slide. Um, and, then, and there's... Um, I mean, he's somewhere between if Dave, if David Luiz is at the right end of the shithouse scale and um, Shaq is at the other end, uh, Shaq is in the middle. Somewhere at the other end is um, Kolasinac with his <laughs> um, just the way he straight arms, <laughs> the way he straight arms players in the back every every single time. He could have been sent off against United for it, couldn't he? Um, yeah, there was one. Need- I mean, he, he made a foul against United, which was exactly the same foul that he got booked for. I thought it was a little bit harsh, but I guess it was because the guy who was going, it was where he was, he was going towards goal. But he does that. He just sort of puts his, puts his arm in front of him and then just uses his considerable bulk to send the person flying. Right, so we need to get we need to get smarter. At it. We need to get better at the. I mean, the tactical fouls have been creeping in, which you know, I'm still reeling from the the the, the you know the genius of, of mm. you know of Man City when they came. It's, it's watching it close up. It is an absolute fucking art form, basically. So we're we're we're, we're way off that, and Shaq yeah. needs to get some subtlety into it as well. Yeah, that's what was annoying Danny Murphy, though. That was was what was kind of great about it. That's why I think people are slightly enthused right. by it because. Right. it was typically Xhaka, you know, it was a bit clumsy. There were a couple where, you know, he very deliberately made the foul. And I guess, you know, by his own standards, was lucky not to get at least booked because he, he does tend to be somebody who, when he commits a foul like that, gets booked because the referee goes, oh, yeah, of course, it's you doing that thing yeah. you do. Here's a yellow card. So on the TV, Danny Murphy was getting increasingly exasperated by the fact that Xhaka was not getting booked for fouls. And then he was exasperated by Xhaka actually winning fouls when, you know, he'd drive forward, wait for the contact and go over. He didn't like that very much either. So it was quite enjoyable to um, to hear him um, come it. off the wrong side. He wasn't losing it, but you could tell there was one moment where I think Xhaka made a foul over. It was probably like his fourth foul or something like that. And you just hear in the commentary, you just hear him go like, huh? <laughs> and he didn't say anything because he, he he obviously knew he'd said it like countless times, but just it's like, where he, he wanted to. He knew he wanted to, but he couldn't or didn't. Um, so it was quite funny. So in that context, you know, I think we can, we can give Xhaka a pass. If he could introduce a modicum of subtlety to his fouling, you know, that'd be good. Maybe that's something yeah. Arteta can work on. The same way that he works on, you know, wingers and makes them, you know, a uh, goal-scoring uh, phenomenon, maybe he could just make Xhaka a little bit more uh, clever about how he makes his fouls. Yeah, he was definitely helped by um, Anthony Taylor being quite slow slow to his pocket yesterday. Um, at least um, because there was, a few, there was a few challenges from um, the Leeds lads, I think, as well, weren't there? Yeah. Um, um, I've got one for you here from Ronak Parek, uh, Ami Guna on Twitter. Who is the most improved player so far under Arteta? Out of the following, Torreira, okay. Ainsley, Maitland-Niles, okay. Reese Nelson, who we've talked about, Meza Ozil, David Luiz, I mean, he's gone for the whole team, Laka, <laughs> Laka, Shaka, and number eight, any other player I'm missing. <laughs> so he's got it covered. Yeah. I think we could have just done, who is the most improved player under Arteta for you, Andrew? Um, I think... I think based on what he produced so far this season, the difference between 
David Luiz now and David Luiz under Emery is remarkable. Yeah. I also have to think that that's probably not um, entirely a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, a good thing. For- Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, based on based on what he's doing and based on what he's producing, it feels a little bit like Louise wasn't necessarily giving his best as, you know, a 33-year-old player with plenty of experience. You know, I'm not saying he was deliberately trying to be bad, but I just think if he didn't buy into what Emery was doing, it was just like, well, I'll just, you know, I'll do what I, I'll do what I want kind of stuff. So, you know, on the basis that he was really, really bad for most of this season, the fact that he's been very good in the last few games uh, is obvious, but I think it's a little bit of an indictment on, on Luis himself. I would say there's two that really stand out for me. One is Lucas Torreira. I think that's an obvious fix because he's playing him in his best position. He's made the team more compact. That really suits Torreira. Um, it's kind of a no-brainer, isn't it, to to do what he did with Torreira. So uh, it's, it's very good that he's responded. But I think Maitland-Niles, mm. um, this kind of fullback role that Arteta wants uh, to play where he acts as an auxiliary midfielder at times really suits him. It really suits him. I think it, it suits his skill set. I think the, the door is open for him in terms of first-team football at Arsenal, particularly as he you know said earlier this season he didn't want to play fullback anymore. That's not what he wanted to do. He's come back into the team. I think he's been really good. Um, you know, I think there have been improvements across the board. I think Xhaka is better. All the players that he mentioned are, have been better, Apart from maybe Lacazette, uh, whose yeah. who struggles continue, but I, you know, I, I, I just, I like the idea of him, uh, Arteta, that is having a significant impact on young players because the age profile of this squad um, suggests that if he can have that impact on them, then it it really does augur well for for the future. I mean, is there anyone else that that's caught your eye? No, I think. Um, uh- I think uh, I think you're bang on. Actually, we were talking about David Luiz in exactly the way that you you just did there yesterday. So yes, there has been improvement, but it isn't as much an indictment on the player. I'm li- I'm reading or at least listening to Peter Crouch read his own book at the moment, and it's I mean apart from being very funny, it's also just goes to show um, what weird world it is as a footballer and how they're res- you know um, they're kids and they need respect. They, they need they, as kids. They need to be told, and they need to respect the, the the boss. Stroke the teacher. It is about being like in the classroom again. And Emery had lost that, and that's as much to do with. Um, but you know, you can't imagine Gary Neville downing tools or letting his own personal game go. I only mentioned him just because um, I'm obsessed with soccer box. I love it. But yeah, and you watch him still his face being so pained after a goal that he let in in 1994 that was half his fault you see what I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. it's brilliant to see and there's a personal responsibility of him Roy Keane and players like that at, at, at their peak or, and I'm mentioning them and I apologise for that when I could very much easily mention Sol Campbell and um, you know and Emmanuel Petit and any of our players who, who, who did the same so there's that kind of indictment of Louise but also it is um, the question was improved players so he comes into that and as you said yeah Torreira I agree for the reasons you've you've uh, you, you've, you've given there so um, I can't think of um, I can't think of anyone else um, 
I mean, they. I mean, it seems a bit wrong, not necessarily wrong, but you know, you have to acknowledge that there has been an improvement individually and collectively. So, is it? It's a chicken and egg kind of situation. Is it because you know the collective is better that the individuals look better, or are the individuals doing more to make the collective better? You know, it's it's hard to know exactly where to find that balance. But you know, there, there hasn't been anybody I think who's who's disimproved, and even somebody like Kalasinac, who I've had doubts about, has been very good. The um, the the commitment he made to playing against Manchester United, despite being injured with that ankle injury, really speaks well of him as well. So, you know, the Xhaka redemption we talked about, you know. Yeah, there's been some belief in, and this this takes me on to a question. There's two questions here who mention him, if I may, if I may go again. Yeah, Andrew. yeah. Um, Phil the Greek 3. Phil the Greek 3 um, says, I want Pepe to do really well. I do, but I can't help feeling like he needs more time and space than he'll ever get in England. Most one-footed player since Nigel Winterburn. That's a bit harsh, I think. Do you think he has the right attitude to succeed here? And another one from Johan um, Koitza, um, Johan Koitza 93. Any thoughts on the excessive dribbling by Pepe and others in the first half? Um, so I'm mentioning Pepe there, but I think he's actually been um, given given his head he's been entrusted by Arteta and I think he's improving not only with game time but also with um, probably um, you get the feeling that he's been told that you know he's a match winner and go ahead and do that and by the way can he take a corner Christ, whoa they're you. fucking unbelievable aren't they oh. Did you, um, they were showing <laughs> they were showing one of the corners um, I can't remember which half it was in, but basically all the Arsenal players crowded round the near post and crowded round the goalkeeper quite uh, as they're entitled to do uh, because that's where Pepe's going to deliver the ball and a bit of movement in there is going to cause havoc mm. in the in the United box. And, and Arteta apparently is quite... Um, uh, stringent is not the right word, but obsessive about set pieces. Um, he was responsible for hiring a set yeah. piece coach at Manchester City. Um, so this is an area in which uh, he, he he spends quite a bit of time and, and a bit of focus. And the United players obviously weren't necessarily happy with this. And De Gea are the sorry the uh, who the fuck were we Leeds. playing Leeds players? Jesus Christ. Um, they weren't that happy with it. The goalkeeper was being crowded out, and the commentator on the BBC just sort of let out this exclamation he goes this is not football you think what the fuck are you talking about what are you talking about this is this is nonsense you know not remember anyone being around almunia just because (laughs) have you ever watched stoke fling the ball from 60 yards into our area what are you talking about you know okay maybe it's not you know your ideal uh um vision of football as it's supposed to be played by johan cruyff it's not it's not Jack Wilshere against Norwich, as I keep referencing, but there are different ways to play the game and there are different ways to put pressure on the opposition. The fact that we've got somebody who can take a free kick like that or a corner like that um, lends itself to that kind of behaviour in their box, and I'm all for it. So, um, yeah. yes. Do you, do you think, I mean, going back to Phil DeGree's question, do you think Pepe's got what it takes to succeed in this country? Yes. I think the talent is there. It's obvious the talent is there. I think what we're going to have to do, and I think I mentioned this maybe last week with James, is is repurpose him a little bit as a player because he was, you know, he was somebody who thrived at Lille uh, on the counter. 
you know, and we're not going to be necessarily a counterattacking team. So we've got to work with him to fit him into the structure that Arteta is putting in place. And I think that will take a bit of time and it will take, um, you know, a bit of adaptation for him. Um, you know, he's come into a team which was uh, a shambles. You know, let's look at what's preceded where we are today. It was a shambles this season. Yeah. An absolute fucking disaster. So I don't know how anybody is supposed to look good in that. And I also don't know how anyone is supposed to settle into English football, into a new country, into a new language, um, and all that kind of stuff, when things are basically appalling, which they were. So yeah. I think we have to cut him some slack in that regard. I think the talent is there. I think the potential is there. Um, Arteta is not the only one to say that he needs to work and he needs to learn. If that willingness is there on his part, absolutely. I think he can be a really, really important player for us. And at 24 years of age, you know, when you look at the age profile of Aubameyang, Lacazette heading towards 30, Ozil, you know, is 31 now. You know, we have to look to someone like him to be part of our future. So it's still, I think he's very much an unpolished gem, an uncut yeah. gem, if you like. Have you seen that film, Uncut Gems? No, should I? It's mental, yeah. Um okay. Yeah, it's Adam Sandler. It's crazy. Um, but I think we've got to do a fair bit of polishing on Pepe. But I think, the you know, there's some 24 carats uh, beneath the surface. Yeah, fair. All right. I have a question for you from our Discord. It comes from Marty. Um, oh, I was going to say it comes from Marty today. I was thinking that's an interesting li uh, line, but I couldn't paste it. So it just tells me when the thing was posted. <laughs> Marty today at 9.22. It's not Marty today. Anyway, Marty says, Rob Holding had quite a tough game and seemed to get some stick from fans. He had some weak moments with the ball, but with the press leads put on in the first half in combination with the time he's been out with injury, I feel a bit sorry for him. Thoughts on this? He did help keep a clean sheet, though. Yeah, I mean, there was rust. Of course there was. He hasn't played very much football at all. So, um, but he did the things that, there were some things that he was very confident at. You know, obviously, you know, the, the sort of meat and drink of a centre-half is is uh, going for the ball, going for headers, work well alongside Louise. Distribution was very poor last night. I mean, there was three mm. or four occasions, three or four or five occasions where he just gave the ball away. But then again, that's someone not being kind of up to pace with the, you know, with the, uh, with the team and the new requirements of the team really. So, um, look, it was a 90 minutes that he got through. So happy with that. And there's no need to, um, there's no need to kind of fear, um, uh, for him as a player. Um, Glad three points weren't at stake. Mm -hmm. um, so I mean, th there is that. Well, look, we have, we've got a problem at um, we've got a problem at centre half, which we know. Um, mm. We have a problem at centre half who's thankfully nowhere near the team, even on FA Cup days, um, <laughs> and will hopefully be gone soon. We have a problem there. Where um, I guess the first, I guess the next league game, we'll see Socrates and David Luiz in there, and you can you 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 can kind of rest <laughs> as easy as, 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 as possible with that. Um, holding, I mean, we're seeing it with Bellerin as well. Like, um, I hope holding doesn't have too much football between now and May for his own sake, really. And hopefully it will mean answer the question. Not really any worries. It was, um, I mean, worries in terms of distribution. Um, but you know, that, that feels more to me about 
getting the rhythm of the game back. Yeah. The things that he's supposed to do, defend, he did that um, pretty well yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the things you would say is a strength of Rob Holding is his, um, is his passing, his distribution. He's, he's usually yeah. very good, very reliable on the ball. We have to, you know, as you said, bear in mind that he's barely played any football for a year. Um, I know he played a few games earlier in the season, but he spent another two months out injured. Um, he is extremely rusty. I think Leeds as well um, were very difficult to play against in that first half. They pressed high. I don't know that there was the right amount of movement from Arsenal players ahead of him, which isn't to excuse the poor passing, but I think a couple of occasions, had we been a bit more switched on, um, you know, those passes might not have looked as bad as they were if we'd protected the ball. I can think of one to Lacazette, actually. Uh, maybe that was second half, I can't quite remember. But, you know, it's about coming to the ball and making sure you get there before the opposition. So, look, he needed to play. He needed to get back in the team. It was an uncharacteristically sloppy display from him on the ball, but I think he did, in general, defend all right. Um, and I suspect you can put that kind of profligacy in possession down to an off night, which any player can have, whether they're coming back from injury or not. So, you know, give him some time, let him find some confidence again, and I think he'll be all right. Fair enough. What have I got here for you? Um, Matt, Matt Wall 89 is asking, will we celebrate St. Totteringham's Day this season? Gosh, I don't even know um, how far behind them we are in the, in the table. Um, so they're on 30 points and we're on 27. So it's only three points. Right. Um, I mean, it's not impossible, is it? I mean, Mourinho appears to be going full season three Mourinho <laughs> within about three weeks of taking he's over. Gone early. It's week three Mourinho. Yeah, he's, um, he's throwing players under the bus. He's accusing them of being, you know, um, spineless when it comes to injuries and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, this could be... This could be uh, glorious. If it continues at this kind of pace, <laughs> basically the stadium will implode. There'll be a, a sinkhole where White Hart Lane was and standing there just looking at the wreckage will be Jose Mourinho because somehow he always manages to, to escape so he can keep that up. I just think maybe, maybe, you know, we've got Europa League to contend with. Um, are they in the Champions League? They're in the Champions League. Um, their star strikers out till March. Um, from their point of view, um, um, as I said yesterday, they're they're worried about their midfield combinations. They're worried about um, Alderweireld and um, Vertonghen sort of forgetting that they used to be quite good. Um, and of course, Ericsson is going up. to Inter Milan, thanks to you. And of course, Ericsson's um, thanks to me on his way to uh, to Italy. Um, hmm. Look, we've only we've kept two clean sheets, and we're looking the right way. Um, it may be beyond. I mean, it may be beyond us this season. I mean, I'm I'm more concerned about Palace away. Uh, I mean, I'm the next two games are the two teams above us. By yeah. the way, Palace and Sheffield Palace and Sheffield United swiftly followed by I think is it Chelsea. So we've got our own um, we've got our own um, issues, but I think we yeah i think we can i think we could do i think it'll be a very i think it'll Go be a very sweet it. one given that a couple of weeks ago i genuinely genuinely think that 
we had a very if things stay as they are, even with um, Lundberg in charge, genuinely thought that we would have been battling to get to 40 points. Um, mm. And that might have just, I really did think that. Um, and um, the fact that, you know, the fact that we've had, the fact that we've had a bit of a bounce. I mean, that leads me on to um, my next question, actually, um, which is from Alexander Pavitt. And I remember being on here with you talking, um, and we look, we, we, we do this as fans. We look for the, you know, you look for the chink of light and you strike and you, you, you look for positive, positive vibes in, you know, uh, whether it was Emery's uh, substitutions and, and, and so on. Before we get ahead of ourselves with um, um, St. Tottenham's Day, Alexander wants to know, is this another false dawn? We were excited by Emery at the start when he got us up for big games. Is this not the same thing? I, look, I don't know. I just can't say. I mean, I can't unfortunately predict the future uh is this a false dawn look it's a dawn there's no question about that whether it's false or not remains to be seen but is it better than it was yes it was better than it was does it feel better than it was yes it absolutely does do the players look like they know what they they're doing now yes it does do we have a manager who communicates clearly to the players to the fans via the media does he say the right things does he appear to do the right things yes he does is it only four games yes it also is so i don't i can't say that this is going to continue but if you were to ask me you know in the dying embers of uh, Emery's fire, what are the things that you would want from a new manager when he's appointed? Basically, Arteta has done all of those things in the few short weeks that he has been in charge. So for me, I'm just encouraged and feeling positive about the direction, um, whether we get to the final destination in the same mood. I, I honestly can't tell you. I wish I could. But I, I, I'm just encouraged and I'm, I'm happier about where we are and what we're doing. And of course, there are grander concerns, aren't there? There are big questions about if you want to go above about the people who are uh, rubble side of the club who, who allowed it to get that bad in the first place. You know, those are those are issues that we can worry about. But but just in terms of what's happening on the pitch, um, Ted appears to be doing and how I personally feel when I listen to him, when I hear the things that he says, I feel I feel very positive, and that's all I can give you on that question. No, I mean, yeah, it was it, it was a question for t- to get that kind of answer, I guess. Um, I mean, I think the thing is as well, you got to remember is that we're just so not used to this, and we're still. I mean, obviously, United fans had to do this a couple of years before us, but we're so not used to this. We're not we're not used to what it's supposed to feel like with a manager with a manager bounce. We're not sure what it feels like when you know when players. In, in in a season, unless you can remember, um, you know, Bruce Rioch to Arsene Wenger transition mm. super super clearly, we're just not used to this. So this is all new territory to us. So you see something, you see a jolt, which, you know, the kind of, the way Emery was doing it for those big games, you get to see those substitutions and mm. stuff and something changed, something happened. We're, we weren't, we're just not used to stuff like that. So to see normally see in a season from one month to the next where there's an absolute drastic change and um, because we were in such a bad state all you can do is be encouraged by th- the signs and is it a false dawn again um i don't think it is because it cannot be 
any it will not be worse than it was it will not be i'm sure we've got different characters different philosophies and the communicating is massive here mm. i think and i think the players will you know we're obviously not going to win the league this season or probably next but look the players and the club you can only hope will go in the right direction with the support by the way because he's doing what he's doing with um the players that he's got there with the support and that you know today's not the day because we've won two in a row but um the 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 spotlight should not be removed from those above Mikel Arteta who have made some piss poor mm. decisions and will be called into, uh, will be under scrutiny again in this month, certainly, and to the end of the season. Yeah. And look, you know, uh, I think it's very obvious from uh, talking to people and from what's going on that, that there has been a rebuilding of that connection between the fans and the team. And that's been so important. We know he stressed that's something that he wanted to do. And I think he's done, he's done that you know obviously with performances and with results but also the way that he's he's asked his team to to perform and to uh, to demonstrate their commitment to to the cause and you know they've done that they were poor in the first half yesterday they came back uh, and they showed some character and, and turned that game around so you know as fans what more what more can we ask for from a manager we can ask more from those who are supporting him and those who are supposed to be uh, giving him the tools with which to do his job um but from what he's producing i think it's i think it's spot on so okay here's a question from Renz, who's at gunner Renz, and he said do you think genduzi played well last night i think he looked lethargic and he's still wanting to draw fouls which slows our game uh what are your thoughts yeah i mean i'll agree with i'll agree with the i'll agree with the question really i don't think he did um, I mean, no one played well in the first half at all, um, and he it, he did stand out. And I'm I'm, I'm a bit confused. I'm a bit confused um, with with Gwendozi. again. I mean, we talked about we we we've been excited by him when he's um, you know at the start of the season when he looked like he'd kind of pushed on. I think he lost his way um, and lost and didn't get any direction under 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 Emery and and. And has suffered a little bit, um, and he looks like he's and he's young, and he looks like he's having um, a bit of a dip. It's too early now to kind of call him in this new era. Um, I don't think he worked very well with Shaka, as I said um, yesterday. I don't think he makes the. I don't think he makes the first team um, against or, or United Sheffield United at the moment. Um, and I'm a little bit. I'm a little bit. Um, I'm a little bit confused with him at the moment. Um, wh- what he's trying to, what he's trying to be. I do find it frustrating with the fouls as well. By the way, the way that he he does that. There was some. There's some good times to go down. Of course, there is. But there's sometimes you want him to be kind of stronger um, and push through and release the ball a bit quicker. But like we started off talking about on the podcast, I think that's a. I think that's something general for the whole for the whole squad at the minute. Mm. Yeah, I, I I think he is a bit like Pepe in the sense that. The talent and the potential is there, but he needs he needs work on his game. I thought he was quite poor in the first half, um, but did make a couple of really good defensive interventions. There was one yeah. or two times he was in the right place at the right time, and I think in the second half he was a lot better. And I've been, you know, a, not not cold on Genduzi, but just not quite willing to get on board the the hype train. 
Um, yeah. I, I think there's a player there. What I think is that in a team which demands structure, like Arteta's does, that's where he really needs work. I think it, it's his off-the-ball work, it's his awareness, it's his positioning, things like that, which um, which require him to be a bit more disciplined. Where he's good is if the game is kind of fractured and open yeah. and he needs, we need somebody to, you know, run around. We need somebody to drive with the ball. I remember the big impact that he had on that, that Aston Villa game uh, earlier in the season. I think he won yes. the penalty, you know, he might've won the free kick that we scored from, but what it required was somebody just to do something with the ball in kind of chaotic, frenetic circumstances. Whereas in Arteta's structure, you need your central midfield player. When the ball is here, he's got to be here. When the opposition have it there, he's got to be there. When we have possession, you know, all these various things which which come um, as part of a collective. And I'm not saying he's an individualist player, but I think that's kind of where he thrives at this moment in time. So I think that's kind of where Arteta's got to got to sort of take him aside and as a you know former midfield player really um, coach that side of the game into him. I think that's bang on actually. I think what you said about um, him thriving in chaos um, it is the key and but but that chaos comes from that's the kind of thing that you that, that the managers hate. That chaos comes from indiscipline all over the pitch and someone saying fuck it I'm going to have a go and you can get a short term benefit uh, from that mm. but uh, but you know Torreira's hopefully going to nail down that position um, I'm not quite sure um, what um, I'm not quite sure what Kanduzi is um, in a like you say in a in in a, in a structured team, um, and yeah, you've got to hope that um, Arteta is going to get hold of him and 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 help make that decision for him. Mm, okay, I got a couple of quick ones to finish off. One um, first one from Henry Powell, who's at AFC Henry P. Um, I, I I know the answer to this, but it, it sort of raises a wider uh, question. It comes from uh, he says, "Will you be supporting Spurs and Jose against Liverpool to stop them bettering our unbeaten run?" I mean, no, but, um, <laughs> I mean, just no, it's just, I, the, the, quite the wider question then of course is about the unbeaten run. I'm, I'm yeah, yeah, the, sure. I mean, obviously, yeah. So I mean, no for the first one. Um, look, you've got to hope Liverpool don't do it. Of course you do for, for every single obvious reason. Um, but I keep thinking that someone's gonna, I keep thinking someone's gonna, gonna I think keep thinking someone's gonna stop him. Um it's not something that I'm gonna lose a massive amount of sleep over. I mean I um very controversially um the and I don't want to go full um talk sport about it, but the unbeaten the unbeaten season um always um I just remember how desolate I was after the Wayne Bridge moment and I know it was the same season so that always kind of um spoils things for me a little bit. Um it it's not the it's not the it's not the record that I'm mo- it's not the thing I'm most proud of as an Arsenal fan. It's amazing, and I really, 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 really hope they don't do it. Um, but um, ask me when they're on forty eight games. <laughs> ask me when forty eight games. I'm hearing myself trying to sound reasonable and really grown up about it. But um, no, fuck it. You're right. Fuck yeah. off. I, yeah. I, you know, anyone, anyone beat them. Um, anyone, but, but not Spurs. Come on, let it be yeah. Sheffield United or what? You know, let it be Bournemouth away. Do you know what I mean? Something but, scabby. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get that right. It takes us back to those the, the days of um, um, wanting 
you know, Spurs to beat United the one time a season, and they never fucking they did. They never did they? fucking did. Even they never when they were. Oh, God, wasn't there one game towards the end of the season? Um, yeah. Three 0 down, 5 3. Yeah, we needed them to win, and they sort of looked like they were going to do it, and then they just fucking Spurs it right up the fuckers. Yeah. So, yeah, in, in terms of that uh, question, Henry, I'm reminded of the uh, episode of The Simpsons where Homer runs for um, he's the garbage man, and his slogan is, Can't someone else do it? Um, so that's. <laughs> That's what we want when it comes See, to that one. You're as good with The Simpsons as I am with The Wire. I couldn't tell you a thing about The Simpsons. Oh, well, there you go. Give me- Give me five seconds and I'll work out a wire reference. Okay, on, let's see, 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 see if you can get one in before the end of the show then. This one comes from John Hossein, who's on the uh, Discord, who says, they seem to be changing the music at the ground. Back in black instead of House of Pain against Chelsea. A yellow ribbon last night. You both like music. Do you approve? You're there. You're inflicted with uh, Sweet Caroline every time we win. So that's been <laughs> once in the last <laughs> few months. I really enjoyed um, She Wore a Yellow Ribbon last night, actually. I'm a uh, I mean, House of Pain is the last refuge of the DJ scoundrel, so I'm not a fan of that. That and moving on up by M people. If you need to get people on the dance floor, that was always a tune which did. Yeah, yeah, if you're really struggling. um, But um, so I can't. um, And obviously, House of Pain's been um, massive in 93, spoilt by Keith Dover doing that kind of dance that he does the guy I sit with Keith um, <laughs> as a, 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 a north of 50 year old man kind of sort of doing kind of gang signs from Walthamstow where he's from kind of really um, has killed House of Pain for me I'm very happy with um, no one no one can be happy with Sweet Caroline it's got nothing you know can we get back Curtis Mayfield move on up yeah so that you know that was a that was a positive tune it was a good tune it had a positive message and we can kind of go out on that. Or, of course, with um, now we've got Mikel Arteta. We once tried to get Here Comes the Arteta. Um, Murderer. Going. Yeah, exactly. So if Ina Kamosi comes out um, when we beat, uh, um, you know, when we win our next home game, then I'll be happy with that. Right? Could be good. Could that be good once. Better than Sweet Fucking Caroline, let me tell you. Anything is, is better than anything that. Anything is better than that. All right. Well, look, we'll see what the Arsenal DJ produces uh, between now and the end of the season. Perhaps these, you know, improved results, these rehabilitations will inspire him to dig deep into his record collection and uh, and find some tunes that people can actually get behind. Uh, it just remains for me to thank you, Tayo, uh, for filling in for James so uh, manfully. And um, it's been great to have you back on the show. So thank you very much indeed. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. Nice to speak to you. And thank you to all of you guys for listening. Your support on Patreon is uh, very much appreciated as well. If you're not a member, you can sign up for just a fiver a month at patreon.com forward slash arsblog. We'll have an arsecast later in the week looking ahead to the Palace game and lots more besides. Join us for that. Until then, take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.